This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you on this Thanksgiving day. Hopefully you've all had a lovely day, enjoyed a little bit of turkey, and now it's time to talk more turkey here and sex. So thanks for being here with me. Thanks for joining me. I always appreciate it. I love coming to you, of course, every Sunday night live whenever I can, which is most weeks, <laughs> Sunday night. So, uh, you know, I'm always on about sex, huh? And uh, telling people that sex is great, uh, sex is good for you, sex is healthy, let's face it, and sex is fun. But did you know that a little erotic romp in the hay may actually make things, well, it actually may make your day. Dr. Lori Brado, a psychologist and professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of British Columbia, uh, is here to talk to me about a Time magazine article on this very subject that she was uh, featured in. Dr. Brodo. Hello, Maureen. How, How are, are you? Great, thanks. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me here. Oh, Thank you so much for coming in on Thanksgiving. Our work is never done, is it's it? It's never done, 24-7. <laughs> Absolutely. We can handle it. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this Time magazine article. This ex- I am so excited about this flow and how it relates to BDSM and the potential it has to... Uh, decrease sexual pain for women, which is a very common situation for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was a really, uh, the, the Time feature was actually profiled a recent article that was published, uh, just came out a few months ago in the psychology journal, Psychology of Consciousness Theory, Research and Practice. And basically what the research team did was they were interested in the experiences of people who practice uh, BDSM, which uh, for any of your listeners who may be less familiar with that term, it stands for bondage discipline, dominant submission, sadomasochism. And so what the researchers did in this study is they had 14 individuals, so seven couples who were actively involved in BDSM play. Um, they had them take part in a scene, a scene of their wish um, for about an hour or so, and they gave the participants a number of questionnaires before they started the scene and afterwards. And they also did something really interesting, something that no one had ever done before. They took hormone samples, so some saliva spit samples to look at the hormones, uh, cortisol, which is a stress hormone, as well as testosterone. And one of the things that they were most interested in this study was this concept of of flow, um, which is often talked about within the BDSM community as being a state of being really present. Um, Many athletes will talk about being in in a state of flow when they're completely immersed and connected with their sport. Um, it's it's truly in the moment, it's, right? It's, it's really yeah. It's to, it's compl- being so in the moment that what is happening it feels so seamless. There's no deliberate intent almost with what with what the actions are. It's become so automatic. Um, and so what the authors uh, of the study did is they gave these questionnaires about flow, and they found that both um, the participants who were tops as well as those who were bottoms, so the tops who were giving the instruction or giving the pain or giving the stimulation or giving the pleasure, as well as the re- the recipients of that, the bottoms. They, or the subs. The subs, uh, The yeah. doms and the subs. Exactly. That's another way of putting it. Mm-hmm. They both experienced a significant increase in, in flow. And one of the reasons why this finding is so interesting is because um, many people had believed that, that individuals who engage in BDSM do so because they have a history of you know, trauma or mental illness. 
and perhaps they dissociate or they go off to another place. They're not in the moment. And in fact, what um, the literature shows, the science shows, is that individuals who are in the community, in the BDSM community, are actually more likely to be psychologically healthy. Wow. And uh, yeah, and so this feature of flow being so present, so immersed in the present moment, um, and that's a key part of, of the pleasure that, that they derive. May I ask you a question? This may sound silly, but when the, the seven couples it was were sent mm-hmm. off, and one of them, that the I, it's my understanding that they didn't know each other. Right. Um, so when they were sent off, were, were they being observed? during this play uh, by the researchers or yeah. were they in private? Because yeah. that makes a big difference too. Sure, of course. And, you know, sec- as a sex researcher, we get criticized all the time that perhaps the science we do is biased because only people who willingly admit that they're going to participate in a sex study do so. So are these individuals somehow biased? They don't represent the majority of, of people. Um, but they were observed, and they were observed with their consent. And they were actually asked after the before and after the study, did having researchers behind the wall observe you impact you in any way? And um, unanimously across the 14 people, they said, no, it didn't impact me in any way. And so they were behind a two-way mirror. Exactly. So they couldn't see the researchers, but the researchers could see them. That's right. Right. Uh, so very interesting that uh, because this flow, we could probably apply that to the less than healthy people, the people outside of the BDSM community, you might say. Um, and that flow is something to actually strive for, that flow, that being in the moment. And I know you've done a lot of research. Uh, you're the the uh, preeminent researcher on mindfulness, cognitive mindfulness, behavioral therapy, and being in the moment, and you've helped... Uh, millions of women with uh, low sexual desire, painful sex, uh, arousal issues, orgasm issues through mindfulness cognitive behavioral therapy or MCBT, mm-hmm. which I suggest to my patients as well, uh, whether it be a 65-year-old man with excessive anxiety disorder and uh, whose wife has told me no one longer wants to have sex, uh, to a 30-year-old woman who's married and has low sexual desire. Uh, so it's a, it's a tool that a lot of us uh, can benefit from. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Maureen. When we look at the expectations that um, we place on ourselves, the perceived expectations by a partner, the negative self-judgment, the worry, the anxiety, how is this going to go, how will I perform, um, many people spend a lot of their sexual encounter not in the present moment, but so worrying about the outcome that they're not there, they're not participating. They have their lists that they have of what they have to do tomorrow, worry about what happened today, how... Is are my thighs are rubbing together now? Is he going to look at my stomach? Uh, all of these other things. And so they're not in the moment. And then people do not enjoy sex like they should or that, could. That's absolutely right. And so as you mentioned, we've been using mindfulness and studying it and testing it for about 15 years now. And we've done a lot of work in different populations of women, women with low desire, women with genital pain, uh, survivors of sexual abuse, uh, as well as uh, gynecologic survivors and other medical populations who have sexual difficulties. Um, and now we're, we're testing mindfulness in groups of men, so men with uh, erectile difficulties, um, men survivors of prostate cancer who have sexual concerns and performance-related concerns. And so it's, uh, it's such a simple, simple practice to do, 
be present, be in the here and now, but it is so difficult to carry out. Especially in the way we lead our lives today, multitasking, doing it all, pretending to be perfect, everything's going amazing. We miss the moment and we lose that moment, but I'd like you to stay in the studio with me for the moment. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit further with Kara Dunkley about BDSM and actually how it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. We're all rocking here at the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath. We are talking BDSM and flow, and we are flowing here. Uh, Dr. Brotto has uh, given a great account of uh, what flow means for your sex life. you got to go with the flow. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about BDSM because it appears that the BDSM community may be healthier of mind than some of the rest of us. And joining me in the studio is Kara Dunkley. She's a Ph.D. student working under Dr. Brado. Thank you so much, Kara, for oh. joining me in the studio. Thank you for having me. So BDSM, there are a lot of myths surrounding BDSM. And if you don't mind just reviewing what exactly BDSM is, what it stands for, for yeah. those listeners of mine who do not know what BDSM is. So BDSM stands for, it's an overlapping acronym for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. And so uh People in the BDSM community engage in this kind of play, this type of play, where they may be lightly tied up to... You know, it really varies in terms of intensity. Um, One of the misconceptions that I would say is very common to this concept of BDSM is that it always involves pain and it always involves sex, when in fact, a lot of BDSM play is non-sexual and much of it does not involve pain. So tell me about some of the non-sexual BDSM. Okay, well, I think that um, one of the most important conceptualizations of the non-sexual element of BDSM would have to do with this uh, a, a newer line of research that looks at it as kind of a recreational leisure activity. Um, There's been a few studies along those lines that really emphasize like, hey, this is just something that people really enjoy doing. It involves uh, a lot of skill, education and knowledge, uh, devotion, persistence. Um, And it's a lot of fun. Uh, As I know Lori was saying earlier in this one study, they looked at uh, uh, cortisol levels and testosterone levels, and uh, they found that people uh, reported Uh, better mood states after BDSM scene. And certainly that's what you hear anecdotally from community members um, that engage in these activities is that it's it's fun. They get a lot out of it. What are some of the non-sexual things? So what would that what would that entail? Um, Well, certainly there's the emotional connection um, between uh, the top and bottom or dom and the sub. But I would say that um, a lot of the activity that people engage in are really, it's not sexual, even if they're naked. Um, In the BDSM community, it's it's really commonplace to walk around completely nude or in like relatively scandalous clothing, Mm -hmm. according to society's standards. Um, And it's it's not considered overtly sexual. Um, so it's more about a connection and intimacy. Yeah. And I mean, people play with their friends. People engage in pickup play with strangers, um, often, you know, that have a, a solid reputation, as the community does tend to police itself. 
um, when it comes to safety. But yeah. but it's a little bit more mainstream. It's going a little bit more mainstream oh, hugely. now. Well, research estimates um, suggest that it's probably t- about 10% of the population in terms of uh, who's doing some sort of BDSM activity. Certainly in Vancouver, we've got a thriving BDSM community. And do you think those numbers are low? Because do you think some people would be embarrassed to say that they were engaging in BDSM? Oh, definitely. I mean, stigma is a huge concern amongst many BDSM practitioners. You know, it's a a sad uh, fact that people's jobs, uh, child custody cases, you know, general discrimination, those are all issues that practitioners face. And that's why this research that Dr. Brado was talking about is so important, because if we dispel some of those myths, like these people have mental illness or there's something wrong with them that uh, they've engaged in BDSM, uh, you know, if we dispel that, then the stigma, we may destigmatize this and have a healthier population, potentially. Yeah, I mean, there's been um, research on uh, psychological traits, uh, the prevalence of various mental disorders, um, looking at personality traits as well, and all of the available research, seriously, like every study that's looked at BDSM practitioners compared to population norms in terms of mental health um, or against a control sample, um, they either are like indistinguishable or a little bit more adjusted. So if um, people, you know, we have these social constructs and there's shame that is bestowed upon people that for anybody who walks outside of the line of the parade, Mm -hmm. shall we say, dances to the beat of a different drummer. Um, So does that have an impact on people who practice BDSM? For example, if they feel that their family may shun them or their their job may be at risk or their children, they may lose their children. How does that guilt, that shame, uh, bear out on a person who begins with a healthy state of mind? Well, it certainly complicates um, life. You know, a simple question like, what did you do this weekend, can't be answered honestly part of the time. Um, So it's problematic in that sense, but also in much more serious cases. Um, And there is a lot of fear about being outed. Uh, and certainly that's happened in the past where a community member is outed and there are huge social ramifications for that. But I think that most important to that experience of shame is perhaps the BDSM community itself because it really uh, serves to promote that self-acceptance. You know, you're not alone in this. Other people share these interests. Right. I've heard people say, I ran into somebody at the BDSM community event, and I said, all right, I'm not going to tell. If you don't tell about me, I won't tell about you. Um, and so what are some of the myths surrounding BDSM? So you say one myth that you have dispelled is that it's not always sexual. It's more sensual, perhaps, and, mm-hmm. and connected and intimate. Um, how about some of the activities or or some of the certain positions, like like men in positions of power? You hear that they're, you know, like chief executive officers or of companies, large corporations that that are, you know, handing out orders all day long. Maybe you need a break from that. And then uh, is that is that true, that they actually then, when they go into BDSM play, they may likely be the sub, or is that a fallacy? You know, I think that you, you definitely see that, but you also see the opposite, where that CEO decides to go home and, you know, be a, a dominant sexual partner or a dominant BDSM partner. Um, and in terms of gender, you really see an interesting shift. I think that... 
Um, very commonly, when men enter the community, they start out as a top or a dominant. When women enter the community, often it's as a submissive or a bottom. But what you see as people start to become more and more comfortable with their roles and uh, want to expand their horizons is a uh, kind of a melding where women start to become more dominant and uh, start engaging in topping activities. And you see that in the, you know, the Vancouver and Seattle communities. I've done some qualitative research in that, with that, those participants. And um, what are some of the topping activities? Oh, there is a, a wide variety. So Just give me 10. Um, okay. <laughs> well, there is impact play. Impact uh, play. You're with, getting this out there, people? You can be healthier. Okay. Tell me about impact play. Impact play is usually um, being hit with some sort of object, okay. um, such as a, a cane or whip. Those are stingy, thuddy s- sensations. Okay. Um, thuddy sensations would be or like a I paddle. Or if I throw this emoji, ba- oh, yeah. ba- emoji baiter at somebody, that could be impact play. Yes. What else? Uh, oh, what else? There is sensation play, sensory deprivation play. Okay, um, so those are so uh, ob- obvious, uh, like ice cubes, perhaps, yeah. or warm, warm fluids, or yeah. um, and sensory deprivation, blindfolding, perhaps. Mm-hmm. There's electrical play. Uh, Tell me which, about the electrical play. Well, that one's a, a, neat, a neat one. Um, I th- I'd say probably the most common tool for electrical play is a violet wand. Um, which is a really nifty device that kind of lights up and shows electric current and also delivers, uh, you know, an electrical uh, sensation. All I can think of is like the mosquito swatters, those things, like... That, or is it similar to that? Uh, it's like a different, tennis racket. But of... <laughs> I will certainly say that those have been used. I'm in sure scenes. they have been. Yes. Um, kind of a, a running joke within the community is this idea of Dom Depot, um, where you go to Home Hardware or Home Depot and you pick up uh, everyday objects that can really be transformed into uh, devices of pain infliction. I'm sure. And even being tied up. I, I have a hot pink suitcase that I bring around to all of my events. And I always say you can just go to Home Depot and you can pick up these ties. You know, they can think you're going to be tying your Thule box on your SUV. But no, you are bringing it home for BDSM play. Uh, so and that can also be arousing as well. Mm. Like the, the whole journey to what are we going to do here? Oh, totally. Well, it's it's building the anticipation. Absolutely. You know, and the foreplay of BDSM, if you look at it in that sense, can really start in any way. I mean, if uh, you plan a rope scene that night, for example, uh, maybe your partner leaves out their rope bag that morning before you head out to work and you just see it by the door, you know, and it it kind of gets those thoughts going. And that's going to help the focus at work, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not. Uh, (laughs) So that's great. So very interesting. And it's interesting, all of the uh, research that you've done around this, and we need certainly need more and more research about this. And so we also need to allow people to sexually express themselves in the way that is safe, consensual, mutual, satisfying, um, you know, and that, that can be difficult for people who engage in BDSM communities. Yes, definitely. Um, and that is one of the great functions of the communities to make people that are into those sorts of things feel more accepted. And normal. Yes. And they are, it sounds like they're healthier. And is this quite a community, a close-knit community? I mean, I know there's thousands of people, but... Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's huge. And I mean, I'd say most major cities, at least in North America, probably have one. I mean, it's way bigger than you would think. There are, like, kink conferences all over the place, which have, uh, you know, people that um, speak on various issues or, uh, you know, education, uh, 
you know, workshops, that sort of thing. And if somebody were to consider, a healthy of mind person out there listening tonight were to want to consider BDSM play, where would they go? What would be a great resource for them to just look into the early stages of it? Well, I think probably the... uh safest and most comfortable way to get into it is through uh, something that's called a munch, which is basically sitting down with uh, other practitioners mm-hmm. in a, you know, a restaurant or a bar and just chatting about BDSM. Um, and it's a great way to kind of get information, meet some people so Excellent. that you can get introduced to events. Thank you so much. Thank you both. And Dr. Brody, did you have uh, Yeah, I just wanted thing? to put a plug in for our very good friend, Lord Morpheus, who's going to be um, presenting at West Coast Bound the last weekend of January. And he has four published books on the topic everything from kink for the beginner to kink for the advanced it'll be on my website you can put that on my website and we'll uh, get that word out there i'm maureen mcgrath thank you both so much ladies it's very interesting and shocking i'm maureen mcgrath you're listening to the sunday night section on news talk 980 cknw welcome back to the sunday night sex show here on news talk 980 maureen mcgrath here talking all things sex uh i wanted to talk about something um that affects a lot of women and I am going to give these out as well. They're, they cost $30, actually, a pair. I know you have a mild interest in underwear there, Matt, sexy underwear. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, you should if somebody that you're with is wearing it. <laughs> Who doesn't have an interest in sexy underwear? <laughs> you're as red as a, a tomato. Yeah, the mic is staying off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to show you the sexy underwear. And it's by Vita Protection. A lot of women get light bladder leakage or stress urinary incontinence, especially after they have a baby. They may uh, cough or sneeze or run, exercise, and they may leak urine. And a lot of women think that leaking urine is is normal, but it's never normal. I'm here to tell you it's never normal. But this underwear, which costs $30 uh, a piece, but here's the deal. Uh, A lot of women use pads, which can irritate the vulva, the sensitive tissues of the vulva, and... um, and also, pads are really expensive, and people pay on average a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a year on pads. This gives you a little protection um, from those little leakages. It's absorbent. It's uh, organic, natural, friendly. Uh, it's um, and it's sexy. It's got some lace surrounding it. It's called Vita Protection. They're reusable, right? Oh yeah, that's the thing. You can wash them. So okay, cool. yeah, that's the point. If you so if you're buying pads, you're throwing them away. They're going into the landfills. These actually go into your washing machine. So you could buy five pairs, and one hundred and fifty dollars because they cost around thirty dollars a piece. And uh, you can just wash them, and this can be your stash for the year. They'd probably last longer than a year. But finally, a decent looking underwear that absorbs urine as well. So give me a call six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. Or star 9898 on your cell if you want to win that. I'll throw in the Gynotroph, which is a hormone-free, over-the-counter, non-prescription. You do not need a prescription for this natural vaginal moisturizer. It's fast-acting. As I said, hormone-free, fragrance-free. It has vitamin E in it to keep your vaginal tissues healthy and as youthful as when you were an adolescent. And hyaluronic acid. um, And hyaluronic acid as well. And um, uh, so that's also something that you would use a couple of times a week uh, if you have vaginal dryness or vaginal atrophy. About 80% of women will experience that at some time in their life. So I have that to give out as well. Uh, So give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. This is Ladies Underwear, but I have Kevin on the line. Hello, Kevin. 
Oh, I, uh, I actually won the book a uh, couple weeks ago, and I appreciate the uh, book that you uh, uh, wrote it. I mean, actually, I only read part of it because uh, I haven't had time to read it like that. But I'd, uh, I liked what you read it, and I liked it for you. I said it. Oh, thank you very much. My um, my book about uh, the perils of online dating, sex addiction, and infidelity. <laughs> that one? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was Sex and Health, I think it was. It is, it's called Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, but that was just a, a cover for what it's really about, uh, the, the uh, sex addiction. It's all stories from my clinical practice, that, uh, they're anonymous tales from my clinical practice. So, well, uh, thanks so much. That's so nice of you to give me a call. Uh, that was a really nice, a nice book, and I really enjoyed it, actually. Great. Thanks so much. All right. So uh, we are speaking of uh, feedback uh, from people. I uh, wanted to, I get a lot of emails from you folks, and uh, I love them. Sex talk at cknw.com. And I had an email from a gentleman who's really worried and fearful he's going to be judged. So here is the email. Maureen, can you offer some advice and your knowledge? I'll try. I was married for the first time in 2010 at the age of 50. I also have had a long-term friendship with a female coworker since 2005. We are just friends. Things were rolling along in my marriage until I lost passion for my wife. And this summer, on a boat trip with my friend, things became romantic. Deep kissing is as far as it has ever gone, but I have had several liaisons with her since. One week after our first deep and passionate kiss, she told me she was a carrier of hepatitis B. I had a shot two days later and one a month after that. My wife and I are not sexually active, but I do kiss my wife when I greet her. I don't know if I have hep B as it can take three months to incubate. Is that correct? Two to six months for symptoms to show, but there's a a way you can uh, find that out. Uh, Anyway, what a mess. I have huge feelings for the other woman. Do you have any advice, both medically and relationship? I am thinking of leaving my wife. She is a nice woman, but kind of treats me like the son she never had, if you know what I mean. Both first marriages for each of us. I will look forward to hearing from you. I don't, oh, I hope you don't think I'm a rat. Should I ignore my feelings? I'm going to answer that email when I come back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I have an inordinate amount of men who are calling in for these sexy underwear. These are not for you. I am not giving them to you. I'm sorry. I, As much as I promote you wearing lingerie and nylons and lacy underwear, and I understand a lot of men like to cross-dress, but this, the, this underwear has a purpose. And I know men leak urine as well. But so, uh, you know, to that end, perhaps, perhaps I should be giving it to you. But I want to give it to the ladies first. So if you do leak urine, you're a lady, you can call up and when you don't even have to talk to me because it can be an embarrassing situation. Um, But I also have this emoji baiter. Uh, So it's an eggplant vibrator, basically. So give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. you got to talk to me about the vibrator. Um, Anyway, getting back to this email that I had from somebody about hepatitis B, and he kissed somebody, and he doesn't have feelings for his wife, and do I think he's a rat? Actually, it doesn't matter what I think, if you're a rat or not. I don't actually think you're a rat because I don't judge people. So don't even worry about that, but I do feel strongly that you should not ignore your feelings. Life happens. Love is a wonderful thing. It's amazing, and there's nothing like passion. 
especially towards another person. I know it can be high disappointment, especially if you're thinking about somebody and it's not reciprocated, for example. It may eat you alive inside. May, there may be hurt and pain. You may not want to hurt somebody else. Uh, anyway, there's, there's a whole bunch of what ifs if you don't address your feelings and uh, seek out the person that you love or are attracted to. Uh, we have so many social constructs around relationships, so I would not worry about that. We find it necessary to deny our feelings because there's so many reasons. Um, we don't want to be judged and we're ashamed because people, we feel badly about our true feelings because we feel guilty and you shouldn't. So denying your feelings can lead to the attempt to rationalize your feelings, obsessing about said feelings, overthinking simple acts, frustration toward yourself or having unwanted feelings, stressing over whether the feelings are reciprocated or not, sleepless nights, it can lead to less, you know, poor health. So by denying your feelings, you can affect your relationship with yourself. And that's the most important relationship you have. And you know what? You don't want to be 80 and look back and go, I wish I had done that. I wish I'd met him. I wish I had had sex with that person. I wish I told her how I felt. So you don't want to live a life of regret. Identify the reason for the denial of your feelings. Accept your feelings and take responsibility. Decide whether or not to reveal them or to let them go. I have Lori on the line. Just before I get to the hepatitis B section of that email, hello, Lori. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Oh, good. I'm so, very excited. <laughs> fantastic. So are you're laughing right now. Does that mean you're leaking? <laughs> <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> it can impact a person's sex life, can't it? And, you know, I wanted to say I have no idea what size you are or anything like that, but this no. underwear, I'm so excited about it. It fits all body types. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so I have no idea, like, what size you are or anything, but is that what you want is the, is the underwear? I would, well, I'd like to have both. Oh, what else did I say? The gynotroph, too? <laughs> God love you. Do you know the service you're doing for women right now? You are you are just destigmatizing vaginal dryness and leakage of urine. My two of two areas of health that I dive into every single day of my clinical practice. Okay. <laughs> so that's your little package, the Gynotroph Natural Vaginal Moisturizer, which is hormone-free, fast acting. It helps you to have your own lubrication and you won't need those bloody lubricants. Oh, so, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so I'll leave that here for you. You can leave your information with my fine assistant, Matt. Okay. All well, right. Great. Thanks Thank for the you. call, Lori. Sorry. Wear them well. Let me know how you do. I will. All right. Fantastic. Okay, so I still have that emoji baiter here, and I have someone on the line. I do. Just give me one second. Okay, no problem. That's fine. So let me just get to the hepatitis B risk. And what is hepatitis B? It's a liver disease. It's caused by the hepatitis B virus. I really don't think this gentleman has anything to worry about because it's not transmitted through uh, kissing. It is a sexually transmitted disease, though. It's it's transmitted through uh, uh, vaginal secretions and or ejaculate. So um, what is meant by this person has been told that his the person he's kissed is a hepatitis B carrier. Hepatitis B carrier is a term used to describe those who have hepatitis B surface antigen, HBSAG, in the blood for more than six months. And this test looks for hepatitis B surface antigens in your blood. It's used to find out whether you have a recent or long-standing infection from the hepatitis B virus. Hepatitis B virus has proteins called antigens on the surface that cause your immune system to make antibodies. So you make antibodies against that virus. Most carriers have no symptoms and are unaware of their status as a hepatitis B carrier. 
Hepatitis B has proteins called antigens on the surface that cause your immune system to, as I said, make these antibodies. And it can take several months to develop symptoms of hepatitis B after you become infected. So the way you're infected is a sexually transmitted Infection through it can be done through contact of blood and bodily fluid from infected mother or to her baby to her baby during birth through unsafe sex without the use of condoms uh, and by sharing contaminated needles and personal care items like shave, shavers, razors, toothbrushes through needle stick or sharp injuries at work. So healthcare professionals uh, may. Get this. Uh, the majority of chronic hepatitis B carriers do not develop chronic hepatitis and do not require treatment. About a quarter of the carriers would develop chronic hepatitis. So you can actually go on to have serious liver disease, uh, such as liver cirrhosis and liver cancer. Unfortunately, these otherwise healthy people that have this uh, antigen can infect others without realizing it. So you want to avoid spreading the virus to other people. So you want to prevent people from coming into contact with your blood. Uh, so you want to dress wounds properly. Uh, the, if items contaminated by a carrier's blood should be disinfected with bleach. Uh, so those are some of the things that you want to do. You want to use a condom during sexual intercourse unless your partner is known to be protected from hepatitis B virus. Don't share personal items. Most people with infected with hepatitis B virus don't even know they have the virus. Um, as I said, it can take two to six months to appear. So at the age of 50, you're married in, if I got the math correct, 2008. So you're, you know, uh, in your late 50s now. The virus, the vaccine was not actually created. Uh, recombinant uh, vaccine was developed in 1986. The first uh, vaccine came out, I think, in 8081. Uh, and then that was removed from the market and a recombinant one was uh, added to the market. So you're too young to have had that. We, we vaccinate babies uh, three times in the first 15 months of their lives uh, against HBV. So or hepatitis B uh, virus. So um, you were probably too old for that. I'm sorry to say I don't like to say that. But uh, so it sounds like you've had the vaccine. And um, that is uh, that's a good thing. I don't think you have a lot to worry about it. Should you move on to have some sex after several months with this person, (laughs) then you might want to actually uh, grab yourself a condom. Uh, so that's basically what I say. And no, you're not a rat. That's the the story there. And, uh, the only rats in the world are those people who are inauthentic people, you know? So we've had a few inauthentic people, um, around, especially in the news media lately. But what are some of those things that, um, that, Uh, are those qualities of authentic people. Well, one thing is people who are self-reflective, people who want to be the best they can be. Uh, Authenticity cannot be reached if you are only looking outside of yourself, obsessing over ways to live in all those narcissistic traps. So a healthy ego is also important. Authenticity comes from your heart. Uh, You want to focus on possibilities if you're an authentic person. You have a good character, a good moral compass. You're a visionary. You listen to other people. You're transparent, open, and consistent. You know, what you see is what you get, and you expect the same thing in that consistency. I have Stephanie on the line. Hello, Stephanie. Hi. How are you? Great. Good. What? So my uh, boyfriend and I are listening to your show tonight. Are you? Yes. Great. <laughs> and also um, how you were speaking about the RCMP earlier. Yes. Because uh, my daughter is RCMP. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. Oh, well, thank you. 
Yes. I hope at least the uh, some of the newer RCMP officers, at least they'll be forewarned and aware and speak up immediately. Um, there are certainly some strategies so uh, that to contend with that because a lot of women face this at work. A lot of people face bullying and sexual harassment at work regardless, and, and institutions never change. So somebody told me one time when I tried to change one. <laughs> Didn't yeah, work out too well. True. Yes. So did um did you call for a particular reason? Um not really. Uh, just that I quite a few years ago I went to you personally. Oh, to me. Um when you worked or I don't know if you still work with uh doctor That's okay. We'll have no names yeah. here because there are some that I don't actually work with anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And I, say, and I found I work with Dr. K in North. Informative oh, and, and uh, it, it was very good. Oh well, thank okay. you very much. That's so kind of you to say. I work with Dr. Stephen K in North Vancouver. He's fantastic. He's probably the best uh, doctor in the province of British Columbia. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> if not Canada for women, he's great. amazing. Fantastic. Great. Yes. So that's where I that's where my clinical practice is. Oh, that's where you are now. Yes, that's where I've been for fourteen years, actually. Okay. Yes. So, um, but thank you so much for calling. You didn't want to win a little prize that I have here for? Sure I do. Okay, then you got it, girlfriend. An emoji baiter. That's for you. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for the call, Stephanie. And I'm so glad you and your boyfriend are listening. All right. Making love tonight. Uh, So when I come back, we're going to wrap this baby up and uh, talk about what's coming up on next week's show because I probably didn't get to a lot. As usual, I'm so sorry if I have overpromised and underdelivered once again. The Golden Rule. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I love all these songs, Matt. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. We have a few minutes left in the show. If you want to give me a call for the tickets to the Vancouver Women's Conference, I have two of them for you. They're valued at $89.95. It's going to be a great day for women. Uh, you're going to want to be there. And uh, if you uh, win these tickets, you get to come for free as my guest. Uh, so 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Or you can email me sextalk at cknw.com. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to hold this women's event, uh, this women's event around uh, health and work and finances and relationships and parenting and perimenopause and fertility, egg freezing, we're, we're covering all of the issues. Uh, it was because I know that women struggle in the world today because, as you heard some of the comments from Donald Trump um, you know, and, and the RCMP, I've experienced my own workplace bullying, sexual harassment. Uh, when I did a private contract with a small company here in Vancouver, uh, it was murder. It was horrible. Um, worst thing in my life. And I realized that this ha- I was not alone. I was not the only one. Uh, and so when best-selling author Kelly Oxford heard the audio of Dom- Donald Trump's crude remarks about women that some have characterized as describing sexual assault, it was the last straw for her. She, it had happened to her. She didn't find it funny in the least, and she knew other women who had, who had experienced the same. So she took to Twitter and urged her 700,000 followers to tweet her their first sexual assault. And she began with her own story, and she tweeted out, women, tweet me your first assaults. They aren't just stats. I'll go first. And she said, old man on the city bus grabs me in my private areas and smiles at me. I'm 12. 
And since that initial tweet in 24 hours, she's received 9.4 million tweets from women who have been sexually abused, sexually assaulted. So um, this is, I, I want to, I know we're just on the cusp of something for women today in the world. And uh, this Vancouver Women's Conference is going to give women strategies and tips to deal with all of these issues that they face at home. Uh, you know, judgment from mothers in the neighborhood who aren't working uh, to the working mothers in the neighborhood. I mean, I've experienced that myself where, you know, people have said, my children need me uh, like mine didn't need me. Anyway, uh, so we have all of these um, issues that happen. Women can be mean to other women. I had someone on Facebook email me and she said, we're not there yet. We women are not there yet. Women take other women down. And I've certainly been dragged down by women as well. I had an experience when I was working at a community hospital where an entire group of women just herded against me. I must. I sound like, like the most horrible person, but uh, I don't know what the story is. I was raised to be nice, and then I got out in the world, and I'm like, hey, they're not that nice out here. Um, And so we have to band together. We're stronger together when there's dissension in a group. Men realize that. Uh, We want to be equal with men. We want to be treated equal, have the same pay. We want to be able to play Candy Crush 2 at work and get paid more than than the, uh, the next guy, but that doesn't happen. So um, the Vancouver Women's Conference is on Saturday, November 12th at the Fairmont Pacific Rim. Uh, did we have a caller, Matt, to, uh, has um, won them? Yeah. Oh, great. Charlene okay. won the tickets. Charlene won. Excellent. I look forward to meeting you, Charlene. So that's great. Visit my website, backtothebedroom.ca. You can read my blogs, Fifty Shades of Pink, or straight up. Uh, and uh, maybe I should have a contest for somebody to give me a name of. I'm always coming up with these names. But anyway, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. Until next Sunday, when I address some of the subjects I missed tonight, have a sexually healthy week, and let's be grateful and thankful for all we do have. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.